Welcome to Recommissioned, a bi-weekly podcast where we go back to watch Battlestar Galactica. Each week, I'm joined by my good pal Matt, who has only seen the episodes up to the one we're covering. Now, I've seen them all. And on this week's episode, we bring you Season 4, Episode 5, The Road Less Traveled. I can't allow you to risk the lives of this ship's crew. When the Admiral put me in command, he told me to trust my instincts. Find the next marker, see if it checks out, lead the people from the fleet home. That is what I intend to do. Now, prepare to jump. I'm sorry, sir, but I cannot obey that order. Matthew Anderson, I think I remember how to podcast, but I'm not sure. It has been 10 days. It sure has. It sure has. And we all fucking know, Dean. We all know what you've been up to down there. The headlines won't stop talking about it. <laughs> you and your time in Florida. Florida man quote is unquote me. family. <laughs> Florida man is me. You know, the weirdest one, I got to say, man, of all the ones that have come out about you and your, your time down there, Florida man caught shoplifting during Cole's job interview. That's bad. Really? You didn't even, what do you need a Cole's job for, man? I, I, had, I saw an opportunity. I took it. Yeah, that's true. It's mm-hmm. true. Well, I mean, the Florida man tries the old wind must have blown the cocaine into my car officer trick to no avail. Also, <laughs> come on, Dean, what are you thinking? <laughs> Florida uh, man has buttocks removed due to complications of eight-inch screwdriver found in his anus. How much were you drinking, Dean? What about, what about the <laughs> resisting arrests while saying I'm not resisting arrest while punching a cop while getting handcuffed? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's just freedom. That's freedom asserting itself, Dana. That one's, one's going to get the Magnum high-tech boots put in your fucking guts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we're back, and I think I know how to do my job still, so we're going to give it a shot. Warm you on back we're up. Gonna warm you up out. with some BSG. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, let's warm it up. Get in there. See what we can uh, determine uh, this week with the road less traveled, Matthew. I don't Hell know. Yeah. Maybe you know, but I don't know how this is going to go. Um, we're going to just dive in and, uh, and, uh, I need you, man. I need you to remind me how to do this job. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I'm probably almost as rusty as you. I haven't been relaxing in the, the, the baking sun as much as you have, mm. but, uh, Ooh, I got to shake off, shake off those, those little bit of rust on me. Yeah. Well, shake it off much like Conan did with his, uh, uh, Atlantean sword, bang the rust off and, and get to work slice and dice. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple things going on this week, Matt. We got, we got, uh, you know, we've got Kara and her stuff. This, you know, I feel like not a lot happens, but there's a lot going on. Is that is that a fair way to say this? You know, I I mostly agree with that. I actually think uh, to blow my load a little early. This is a fucking excellent episode. I really really liked this one. Nice. There's a lot going on here. I mean, it, there's not a lot of like big action events or, or warfare going on, but there's. Things are really bubbling up. It's, yes. it's happening. Uh, like Daniel Mertz pointed out, uh, we got uh, Chief being Private Pyle, full shaved head, really starting to crack apart a little bit. Holy dog shit, Pyle. We finally found something you can do. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's happening. Oh, fuck. Well, talk to me. What do you like about it? Dude, ah, uh, there's so much to like in this. Um, for one, the 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 absolute... Could have seen this one coming, a mutiny aboard the Demetrius. Mm. Boy, howdy. You know who I feel the most for in this whole situation? I don't think it's going to surprise you one fucking bit. Hilo. Absolutely. Of course. (laughs) Dude. What's the the guy going to do? 
God bless that fucking man. Now, there's a man right there who he goes to the top of my pile, one at the top of the Beefcake Report still, reigning king. Uh, But then also, definitely, I remember about to get into a fucking scrap outside of a bar, and I got about two minutes to scramble whatever friends I can for some backup. He lives at the top of the list. He's a solid dude. He is a good dude trying his absolute best to hold it down for his crazy, greasy friend painting on the ceiling of her cabin as her crew is like, why are we doing this? Who are you picking last? Wait, what's up? Who are you picking last? So you got got two team captains. Who are you picking last? Ooh, well, I mean, like I said, first off is Hilo, but last of everybody in this show or just Demetrius? Go Demetrius. Keep it okay. simple. Just Demetrius? Honestly, you know who I fucking pick last at yep, this point? Yep, I do. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be Mr. Gata. Yep, I knew it. Fucking snake. I don't want you anywhere near me. <laughs> I don't want you anywhere near me, you lying, slithering fucking snake. I don't trust Bruh. you at all anymore. What happened to him? What happened to old Slytherin? Dude, I got- we used to love him. I used to love him. Dude, this breaks my heart. Back in season one, I was like, Gata, man, he's holding it down. Good old Gata. And fucking, man, ever since New Caprica, I'm like, mm-mm, <laughs> I don't trust you anymore, dude. And that was at the height of my trusting Gata. He mm. was so good on New Caprica. But since then, shit, you're falling I used apart, to but. love him, and then I had to kill him. Then I had to stab him. Well, it's sad, sad a bit of affairs, but boy, uh, you got two major things going on. You got stuff going on in the Demetrius and then stuff going on in Galactica. And the Galactic stuff is narrow of focus, but I think it serves a purpose. And that's mostly Gaius and, and Tiro uh, yeah. with a little splash of Ty and Tori. Lots of T's, as it were. <laughs> Ty, Tyro. Ty, Tyro, Tori. Mm. Yep. And Baltar. Dude. Not a T, but still a B. Baltar. And uh, that works for me. So let me tell you, <laughs> tar, baltar, uh, whatever makes it work, Matt. So what do you want to do? You want to do Galactica or you want to do Demetrius first? Mm. You know what? I think, uh, I think we do Galactica first. Let's dive into there and then we'll, we'll round it out with uh, Demetrius because that's where the episode actually ends. Right on. So there's a part of me that thinks, boy, is, is, is Baltar going to just get sick of the moaning and the bitching? <laughs> I look, I, look, I should be more sympathetic. I should pretend to not want to look at this lady like Patrick Bateman may. And, <laughs> Wait, which one? Uh, the one the, at the beginning? Yeah, she's like, these are my laments. I feel rage. <laughs> not just the machines, but those who made them, anyone involved, right? She's, she's, she's not quite slithering like Gata. She's more like Simmerin. Close. The person who named them, who made it a, a C mm-hmm. with an S sound instead of an S, the piece of shit. All of it. <laughs> yes. And, and she's like, but why the gods? Why but why, why do the gods do this? And, and tell me a little bit about what's going on with this stuff here. Well, again, we got our boy, uh, our boy Gaius pretty much hammering home <laughs> that there are no gods. You, you uh, like his outfit? You like that little, like, boy. Fucking- <laughs> Has real. he not embraced like Japanese death cult leader <laughs> <laughs> fucking attire? Is he gonna fucking send nerve gas down the Tokyo subway system? Nobody wants to hear about the Yakumbarates. We have all lost our families. Now we must sit all down. Die. Yeah, sit <laughs> down. Your time on this earth will be cut short very soon. <laughs> Contemplate this and come back to me in four days. <laughs> and we will continue this conversation in English. Yeah. 
<laughs> you can fucking put, put our guy in there, Watanabe. Get in there. Uh, get in there, Ken. He can spell in for him. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Actually, that would be just amazing if Ken Watanabe was just guys for an episode in a wig and nobody acknowledged it. You're just like, is that Ken Watanabe? <laughs> Sit on the floor. We've been doing this for thousands of generations. Let them fight. <laughs> No, <laughs> fuck, dude. Fight. But here we are. I mean, boy, the congregation around Gaius mm-hmm. sure has grown uh, between episodes. He's doubled in size. It seems like uh, the, the old sons of Ares didn't do much damage. They seem to be growing uh, pretty quickly. Think about it, man. If if Karis fifty eight days into her mission, we know Gaius is a good fifty eight days into his cult building. <laughs> really putting so, in the work. Really the putting in on that cult. This is like one of those Civ games where you're like, I think guys is making them power more more obviously powerful path compared to Kara when it comes to resource trees. <laughs> her, her her technology development tree. He's, he's really going focusing more, on his priests and his cult, his religion. Yeah, he's going to try to win through acculturation. <laughs> he's going for the culture victory, Matthew. Is what I'm trying exactly. to say. Exactly. <laughs> the slow fight, the slow burn. Yeah, he doesn't need armies because your people are going to lay their swords down at his feet and take up the robes of peace, Matthew. Peace. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, you got you well. got fucking old you know no one's gonna call Glenn Terrell, no one's gonna call him old twinkle toes. <laughs> boy, he is jumping heavy. Hey man, on your toes. <laughs> I like to jump on my heels. What are you box jumping those fucking rope? You fucking not skipping rope, you're leaping rope. <laughs> I mean, well, when it comes to his boxing style, I think he's more of a bruiser. He's not the nimble on his feet. Type. It takes a lot to the chin. He's going to get in there and mix it up a little. Is what you're telling me? Not going to. Not going to be clean. He's going to. He's going to. He's going to put you in the little fucking coffin. <laughs> he's going to be doing the old raging bull. Hit me. Hit me. Get, hit me. Not one. You never knock me down, sugar. You never knock me down. <laughs> Still standing. <laughs> he might. With just Shame. a fucking pudding face. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see or remember things too good, but you never knock me down. I sometimes poop on my pants, never hit the canvas. <laughs> Fuck, man. I don't got no teeth, don't look like I used to, can't pee real good no more, didn't fall down, though. <laughs> Couldn't ever get past that jab, but my face looks like fucking SpaghettiOs. But still, <laughs> never knock me down. It's the little victory, sugar. But oh, uh, listen, he's jumping rope. You know, he's doing his thing. Ba-boom, 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 and, ba-boom. Dude, and what a subtle barb it must be for him where he, you know, the, he. we also now learn in this scene that that not only has Gaius' congregation grown, but he is getting his message out. He's got a little pirate radio station. Uh, I, I mean, I'm assuming some sort of local frequency that just broadcasts across Galactica itself, uh, but it's on people's radios. People are hearing it, and it's on in Tyrrell's quarters, and he turns it off, and his own baby's like... Yeah, turn the man back on. <laughs> turn the wise the nice- man on. <laughs> <laughs> turn the nice wise man on, not the scary bald man. <laughs> It'd be so sweet if he's like trying to feed the little kid. Like, you know, the kid just inconsolable until he turns it back on. He tries five different things. You want a little hat on your head? You want a fucking binky? You want some milky milks? Nothing works, right? The fucking dumb row, row, row your boat creepy carousel of death above the crib dude, doesn't work dude so dark it, it's it's been the first time in, in weeks that he's finally starting to bond with his son again you know callie's died <laughs> his own mother's gone he's you know down there on the floor feeding him little spoonfuls of baby food and he starts to babble and he's like well, what's that are you trying to say something are you trying to say your first word and he's like dad dad da, da, da. he's like daddy you want to say daddy he's like daddy guy yes 
Daddy Baltar, Daddy Gaius. Doctor, Doctor Baltar. <laughs> Just stops feeding him. Yeah. Then you hear two shots. That's the end of that. Damn, Dean. We're not even 15 minutes in. We can't be this dark. Two shots, and then you know what you do? You open that Tyrrell family tree, just rip that page out and throw it right on the fire. <laughs> that one, we're just not going to talk about that one. <laughs> well, there seems to be a that. gap here in the family line. <laughs> I've noticed there's a page missing on Ancestry.com. Yeah, we're just going to leave that one as a 404, actually. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing redirecting here. Yeah. <laughs> let yep. It, just let it be. Moving along. <laughs> oh, fuck. The radio, three shots, one on the radio. But, um... <laughs> But no, not exactly. He's um, he's uh, he's he's going through some shit. You know, I would say so. It's important that they showed the kid because at one point I was like, the kid's alive, right? I, because he's <laughs> yeah, totally he's, he's not acting like his new Cylon mommy, Dean. Oh yeah, she can be my Cylon mommy I think. <laughs> any day. <laughs> but she goes to visit our contemplative man. Who's just chilling where his wife got bounced, got that pimp hand yeah. of pimp hand of Tori, the Tori pimp hand. Brutal. The the cold, brutal pimp hand of Tori. I like that but, she's walking all loosey goosey now. You know, she's getting the D on the she's getting the doc she's getting the Dr. B's D on the reg. So she's loosey goosey. <laughs> that her five step. times fast. <laughs> Doc, what, Dr. B's D on the reg? Dr. D's B, Dr. B's D on the reg. Dr. B's D on the reg. <laughs> it's, fucking it up. Listen, Dr. B's D on the reg is uh, is good for the girls. It's good for you. Just what the doctor ordered. Mm. Dr. <laughs> Dr. B's D on the reg. Uh, coming right up. <laughs> fucking pants fly off. <laughs> He's just got a dick-shaped <laughs> prescription pad. Lay down on my cult beds. We'll get to work. Get the shit out. <laughs> so sorry. Oh God! That's oh happened. God! It's the abuse of power. It's fucking Nexium in there. Um, doctor, I'm here to see you, and I think I need. I think you know what I need. I think I need. I think I need Doctor D's B. Doctor B's D on the reg. Come he right just up. hits a button, and it just kisses Doctor Love just immediately. <laughs> he hits a button, and like you know, like in Austin Powers, the walls start flipping around, and instead <laughs> of like a dungeon that leads to a cool layer, it's just like heart shaped beds and. You know, Velvet chocolate covered strawberries everywhere and shit. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, she's got she's got a little she's got a little swagger in her hip. She's got a little confidence in her step, dude. She like as as far as her own like self confidence and personal image goes, dude. Becoming a Cylon's the best thing that's ever happened to Tori. <laughs> Here's what happens: she's you fucking a, strong and long. At one point, we we're saying, "Would it kill you to run a comb through your hair?" Now what? Now look at this. Look at this beaming, fucking strong woman. That's right. Coming in and taking some. That's right. Powerful. But Powerful. no, yeah. <laughs> she comes into our shaved head just <laughs> days away from sitting down on a toilet with an M14 fucking Tyrrell. Uh, and she's like, what are you doing here, bud? How's it going? <laughs> and essentially tries to, I mean, it kind of, one thing I think is really interesting about Tori now, now that she's really embraced this whole, kind of like two things, really. She's embraced being a Cylon. Like, she, uh, of all of our final four here, she's the one, we've talked about this already, who is very comfortable being a Cylon now. And is like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to just dive into this and see what this experience really means. Right. Um, so she's, she's embraced that. But she's also very much embraced this whole kind of trying to, like, dismantle everybody else. Like, like kind of take away, like, why are you holding on to things? Why are you holding on to human guilt? Why are you, you know, 
holding on to what you used to care about when it doesn't matter anymore. And that's essentially what she's trying to do here with Tyrrell. She's trying to pull away this whole, like, you feel shame and guilt about all this, and you don't need to. Like, what are you, what are you doing that for? She's still not being honest yet. I mean, she's still not admitting the truth that, yeah, I did this to your wife. Uh, no, but no. She does admit, though, that Gaius has turned her onto the path. So this is <clears throat> interesting. Yeah. And she's talking about the absolution of her past, and that's this... This theme has been running through the last couple of episodes, this reconciling with your past because you can't change it, as Baltar is going to tell us here, which is uh, quite a succinct and obvious point, but sometimes we do forget it. I know plenty of people who do this. I know some people, friends, dear friends of mine, who occasionally will um, will allow the past to, they'll, they'll, they'll ponder why they didn't do it a different way, right? right. And I think- I think that's important insofar as it is important. And I know that sounds like circular nonsense, but what I'm saying is it's only important as long as it's important. But in most of the times it isn't, it might be important in the moment to motivate you to do something different and to look for an alternative way or to, or to think about something in an alternative mindset. But if you're just sort of woeing is me, it's not Mm. good. It's not going to do any good. And I think, it's funny. I think the truth lies, or perhaps me, not the truth, perhaps the path lies somewhere in the middle between Tyrrell and Tori here, where she's like, ah, fuck it. And he's like, no, not fuck it. Maybe fuck it a little, <laughs> right? I think the, tr- the truth probably lies, the path, as it were, lies somewhere in the middle of that. But I do like this. I do, you know, she's kind of saying it, it, it and I hate this phrase because it's sort of just said out all the time, but it is what it is. Kind of move on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the, the last thing Tori says to, to Tyrrell in this scene is we can still change. Like, mm-hmm. it, the past hasn't set us in stone. Like, we, it's not that, you know, we have to live that way because that's the way we have been living or, or because of the guilt uh, of the way we had lived before. We can change. We can do something different now. And that's, that's like, said, like I've been saying, like, that's what we see Tori kind of embracing to, to sometimes kind of brutal effect. Uh, <laughs> But she is the one who's moving forward, way more so than the the rest of the the three, Anders and Ty and Tyrrell. Yeah, it's funny. The other thing, the, the not just reconciling the pasts, but also the the way she is saying whatever the reasons. There's, you know, it's almost like you're saying the re whatever the reasons are, things are the way they are. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. Because you can't really control those things. You just have to sort of accept those things. And this is where I feel great envy, personally, to people with immense faith. Because they can do this, and it really alleviates anxiety for people, right? Right. This ability to just say, well, it is what it is. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> que sera, sera, Matthew. What will be, will be. That's There's nothing else you can do about it. Um. And uh, it, it's hard to control freaks struggle with this, especially, right? People who need to control their environments and the things around them. When you, sometimes it's nice to just go with the flow, let it go, sit back. Don't, don't lean forward. Don't be tense. Sit back, relax. What's going to happen is going to happen. And the only thing you can do is your best in those moments. And that's it. And indeed. Yeah. She's kind of just saying like, look, man, chill out. It's, it's it's got a you could argue it it could be a very a thing of faith you could argue it's sort of hippy dippy nonsense whatever you want to call it there's a measure of utility in that belief structure as far as i can tell 
But um, yeah, I like I like that she's trying to get to him. And he's like, look, you've been spending too much time with Baltar. <laughs> yep. He's done, not done. he's not ready. But no. But this is a cool arc. It's a cool beginning. It's a cool message to start it. Um, oh, I agree. Yeah. I mean this this is this is probably the lowest we've seen Baltar. I mean not Baltar. Uh, uh, Tyrrell. Sure. I mean he's had his his rough moments in the past. He's been you know back when he was with Boomer. I mean he had a lot of low moments there. Uh, but as far as he himself, and not situations he's involved in, but his, you know his own welfare, his own life, he's he's been pretty leveled by this, and I think that's pretty well indicated by him having shaved his head. He, you know, he's in a, a different color, you know, jumpsuit. He's been demoted. His whole you know place within Galactica and the military has been changed, lowered. Indeed, yeah, and it's <clears throat> and this might be a little on the nose, but Tyrrell is the chief of the boat and. Tyrrell is a man who goes, here is everything I can do to fix the thing. And because of my expertise and experience, I can typically fix the thing. And if not, I can just build or work around the thing. He's a problem solver. He's a mechanic, to, to put it bluntly. And here's one he just can't fix or figure out. It's, it, it's eluding him. It, it's beyond his capability. And he is struggling with that. And Tor's like, sorry dude you know he he can't you know what i mean like does that make sense he he is he's got the mechanic sort of i can fix this the logical approach here's the problem here's my toolbox literally or figuratively and here's the solution to x problem Um, and he just doesn't have the tools for this one and he's not going to be a person who lets go and is like oh let's just see where it goes let's see Mm -hmm. if it sorts things out on its own he made his bones he's you know he made his bones being a great chief and that guy fixes shit. And right. He can't I mean, fix or even make sense out of this. He can't even define it. Exactly. And that's that's another part of just like the fucking filmmaking of this episode that I really liked. I mean, the way so much of this is staged, like what's the second scene where we see Tyrrell and where, where he's talking to Tori, he's standing in that area looking mm-hmm. at the control panel trying to figure out exactly. how Callie would have done it. And yep. like, what, what, was the, what is the process? This is the physical process of what buttons should, would she have pressed? What would the sequence have looked like? Where she, would she have been standing? And trying to walk through it and figure out the problem. Yeah. That's how he looks at the world. That is his whole frame of reference for life. And think about this from Tori's perspective, if, if possible. She murdered that girl. And <laughs> yep. now you could argue, I mean, if I'm Tori, I probably murder her too. I'm being honest. Right. If it's, I don't as want as far people, as like a, a matter of self defense and you know, not being exposed, like yeah, it's a, it is a tough call. Survival isn't moral. <laughs> it just is. <laughs> it just it's is. a good point. Yeah. Right. And um, it you know that's it, it's you're at that point you're either surrendering or you're killing Callie. <laughs> and if I'm going to go on the idea that maybe I'm a Cylon, I'll probably lean towards the killing, doing the killing <laughs> stuff, uh, which is pretty fucked up. And, and you know maybe I wouldn't. I don't know, but. That's what it comes down to. My whole point on this tirade is that Tori seems to be doing just fine with her own thing, isn't she? Right. So I love that. We, we're sitting here thinking about this, or I'm thinking about this from the chief's perspective and not Tori's at all. I'm just thinking about it as, if, as the chief's perspective as it relates to what Tori is telling him. I'm trying to change gears here and think about it from her perspective, which is kind of fascinating. She's just chilling. She's down in there on the cult beds and the next scene banging Baltar. <laughs> Totally chilling, totally not chillin'. nervous. You know, I, I would describe her now as being sort of uh, languid. That's a quality yeah. I like in a lady. 
kind she's of above that, it. Yeah. Yeah. She's just sort of got that Southern loungy <laughs> confidence about her. She seems not to care at all. And that's impressive considering you just backhanded this bitch through <laughs> into the airlock and set her out there. Into space. What do you think of this little manipulation of Gaius here? Basically saying, you have a bunch of rabble around you. The president isn't spending as much time thinking about you as you think. And right. that's that. Mm, that is, you know, that's a really that's a really good point. The way you put it, um, it does make me think more about, I mean, we kind of see it. It's not touched on largely in this episode. I think this is definitely the seed um, of there's this moment later on kind of jumping ahead where where guys does have that 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 exchange with the woman as he's walking to to Tyrrell's quarters to talk to him and he's like you know it doesn't matter who's hearing my message right now he's like you know we're getting it you know from the fringes and he's like i need to get my message to people who necess- don't don't necessarily want to hear it or aren't ready to hear it you know i need to get this message further out um which already makes me think that the seed that Tory planted in this scene right here of you are not being heeded by the people in power, and that's got to start to change. And for one, it kind of makes me think that Tory is subtly extending an offer of, hey, I'm right hand of the president. Keep that in mind. Like, I I am a little closer and in more, much more in favor to the people in actual positions of power uh, in the fleet than you. I mean, you're the, you are, you are gaining a lot of credits among the kind of like underclass of the Galactica and people who are looking for some kind of religious answer to things or whatever, or people just drawn to this cult of personality. <laughs> it looks like, it looks like he's attracting like the hottest book club ever that got bored. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were reading the 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 fucking traveling blue jeans book for the fourth time, and we're finally like, you know what? The Chardonnay doesn't taste that good anymore. This book's getting old. What's up you with know, this Baltar guy? <laughs> look, I, I'll be honest with you. I really like my sister's keeper, girls, but uh, the whole save your sister thing. Can we just get over and get to the get to the real savior here, Baltar? Because uh, I'm kind of sick of this whole thing. But no, it, you know, it's uh, but but the structure. When you start to think about this and you break it down from um, almost like a meta structural standpoint, is that you see who is the perfect example. Someone not ready to hear it, that'd be Tyrrell. Who has mm-hmm. pull or who has power? Who has a reputation? Tyrrell. Indeed. That's the perfect person for Gaius to challenge himself. And that's what's interesting about this is Gaius is challenging himself in this, heeding the words of Tori. Uh, understanding his reach needs to this it's funny this is that moment in the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial world where you go well no more fucking patty cakes let's make this a business right this <laughs> is like true. the lsg moment we had where we're like all right let's like do this let's make a website let's set up a way for people to be members let's you know it's i can relate to it as far as that goes like we all right, we're done just kind of fucking off. Let's let's do shit. Let's get some new mics. Like Maltar's having that. All right, I'll go after somebody. I'll, let's let's push the envelope a little bit. Let's break out of my comfort zone of these fawning, beautiful women who just all hang out here all day. And uh, and let's right. let's push. And and he and he accepts that challenge. And Tyrell is not a beautiful woman. You know, he he's different, and he is he's skeptical. He's, gotta, he's skeptical. Extremely. Got a chip on his shoulder. He comes from this background, as we've learned. 
<laughs> you know, and dude, especially that moment, the way the scene ends where it's just Tori, uh, you know, in bed with guys, the last thing she says to him is <laughs> such a subtle manipulative dig or she's like, come on, get some clothes on. They're waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing wasting your time? Or, you can't just fuck me all day, Baltar. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's so good. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. She's, she's nudging him. She's nudging mm-hmm. him to, because that, that's the other interesting thing about Tori is that she, it, it's easy to lose sight of who she was and still is really because you're like, okay, she's this Cylon now and she fucking killed Callie and she's really embracing this whole new existence. But I think she is also still very much the, kind of self-aware, much more Machiavellian than people want to give her credit to politician. Like, mm-hmm. she's got that in her. I mean, that that is that is definitely a part of why she is where she is in the government, you know, the right-hand person of the president. Um, and I think she still thinks that way and sure. is nudging him to like, hey, you want to actually start influencing things and maybe changing the whole mindset of the fleet. You're not going to do it like this. You're not going to do it just banging all the cute girls who get curious about your weird sweaty cult. Indeed. Yep, absolutely. But I'm still gonna get I'm still gonna get some of the Doctor D Doctor B's D because I don't have to stomp completely, do I? <laughs> of course not. Don't don't be ridiculous, Baltar. <laughs> What's the benefit of being a cult leader if you don't get that fucking sniz on the side? <laughs> <laughs> don't you want to have sex with the one chosen by gold? Mm. And he's like, "All right, let's up." So in the next scene, what do we see? Right. A whole bunch more people parading in to hear Baltar's word, not only live as his own little sermon, but being broadcast, and uh, even our boy Tyrrell coming by, do, getting do, a little do you curious. Like, do you like the shot of the of the girls in the hallway bringing snacks, just like book club? Right? <laughs> it's book club. It's fucking book club. <laughs> oh, what do, well, what do you guys, did you bake a pie for sex club? Oh, hooray. Mm, excellent. Awesome. Um, I brought some roasted pecans uh, for <laughs> sex club. Great. I bought a quiche that I'm uh, going to put on the floor and get over. <laughs> Fucking Doris. She brought nachos in that Tostito cheese. She's such a cheap, lazy bitch. Fucking fucking balls are like, oh no, it is no longer time to be petty. Fucking you can all give your bodies to me. Even in a sex cult, broads are still petty. (laughs) 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 She brought fucking frozen pigs in a blanket. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> that wine was like $7. Oh, God. Gross. I am so buried at her right now. Forget it. I'm not going to invite <laughs> her next week. She's going to pick a shitty book. It's her pick next. All right. <laughs> um, so uh, what do we got? So he's upgraded his robes, too. Oh, yeah. He's got that every, popping every, white collar. Just about every scene except for the very end. He's, he's, he's just furthering his robe game. Yeah. His robe Maybe game. gold trim by the end That's of the That's religious cult leader 101, man. The robe game has to be on point. It's true. You got to have else? something that sets you apart, right? <laughs> you got to have you got to have some kind of uh you need a you need some sort of accoutrement to your wardrobe, some sort of accessory. And that if you sets can't you if you can't get nice robes, you know, some good gold trim, some silk, some purple, then you got to just straight up claim to be the son of God. That's how you get away with being raggedy, you know? <laughs> you got I actually me, I'm divine, so I get to have shitty clothes. I'm still good. Yeah. Uh Ty shows up with this too. Ooh, indeed. A couple of bald buddies right here. I'm looking for their, <laughs> looking for fucking their red suspenders, these guys. <laughs> fucking. <laughs> like, well, boys, what kind of fuck, meetings are you going to? Fucking red suspenders are about to kick these hippies' heads in with their Doc Martens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, fuck. But Ty's like, I've been cutting you slack because of Cali, but you got to pull yourself together now. 
Ty don't want to. Tara don't want to hear this shit. <clears throat> no, no, especially dude. I I love. I, I really, it's easy to miss this point. I I didn't really even catch it until my second viewing. Uh, but it is a kind of big deal that Tyrrell knows about his visits to Six. Mm-hmm. Because let's remember, fucking Tyrrell was kicked down the ranks. He has been demoted. He is essentially a fucking janitor fixing shit in the hallways now. <laughs> I saw um, that. And even he is like, yeah, I heard about you with this <laughs> sick shit. That's weird. People are talking. And if he's heard about it, then everybody's heard about it. Because it'd be one thing if if he as chief had heard about it, and maybe it's a little more contained to the, you know, slightly of the officers, the little upper echelons of the Galactica. But if where he's at now, he's hearing it, then it is out among the rabble, <laughs> among sure. everyone. Tyrrell, that is Tyrrell, not good. Tyrrell's on that, like, opposite path of Chief O'Brien from Star Trek. You know, Star Trek, <laughs> Chief O'Brien, down. he didn't do shit in, like, Next Gen. He just had his big fucking dumb... You know, cabbage Teleporter Irish room. head. Yeah. yeah. And then by the time he got to DS9, he was actually doing cool shit. <clears throat> That's <laughs> true. Anyway. Getting kicked further and further down. But he just says, I can't. I can't move past it. Yeah. I can't if be If there like is a you. God, he's laughing his ass off. <laughs> That's another interesting uh, perspective from Tyrrell here that uh, he seems to not only be not religious about the gods anymore, but he seems to be skeptical about religion at all. Like he's, Correct. he seems to be ready to kick it all into the trash. Yep. But uh, I like how he, uh, he, he, I love, this is the awkward, I know I'm supposed to be at this party, but I don't want to be here movement amongst the crowd <laughs> <laughs> fucking terrible fucking girlfriend dragged me to this dumb party i don't want to be at right he's doing that whole thing like ugh, just kind of moseying around <laughs> this is not my cup of tea god please don't clap please don't <laughs> oh clap. please don't i mean do but terrible. i mean seriously clap though <laughs> i love it <laughs> <laughs> nothing makes me warm and glowing inside like clapping for me <laughs> and dude, I'm not gonna lie. From the start of the scene, the moment when when you know Baltar comes out and he very much so catches the the glance of Tyrrell and mm-hmm. they're looking at one another, I both knew he was gonna try to reach out to Tyrrell here, and I was also like, that is too soon. <laughs> he is not ready to hear your shit right now. <laughs> Still, like you see, I think Baltar got a little tricked by his own uh, just you know, stature right now. He's like, oh, he's, yes. he's here in my lair. He's here among me. He must be coming <laughs> down to see me. And it's like, no, 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 no. He got just a little curious enough because he was working on some shit panel near the door of your fucking cult lair. <laughs> and he's like, all right, I'll stick my head in there. And Baltar thinks it's his moment to like reach him. And I'm like, no, dude, you're going to get that bald top of his skull in your nose. Doctor B went into his uh went in went, went into his closet and pulled out his fucking manager's coat that he just got. He took it for a spin. He's like, "Ooh, <laughs> let me let me try these piles. Ooh, these, oops, oh, uh oh, overstepped. Not quite ready. Oh, got a little choked. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck, but yeah, dude, this scene, Mister Tyrrell. <laughs> oh dude. fuck, so bad. Yeah, let's have a listen. They may be buying into your message of forgiveness, but let me tell you, there are some sins." that even your imaginary god can never forgive. I have not been talking about an imaginary god. I am asking you to take my hand. Take my hand, Mr. Tyrrell. For Callie. Or my throat, as it were. (laughs) This is it, dude. This is where he pushes it. Just too far. 
I like always like leave him, leave him, and then choking him, and then he fucking yells. Let's have a listen, man. You didn't know her, Jesus. I saw that one coming from a mile away. The the moment he turned and was walking down the stairs, I was like, dude, no, you you pulled your trigger too soon. This guy is not ready to hear you. Let's hear it again. I like that rage in his voice. You didn't know her. You didn't know her. <laughs> okay. I can relax. Woo. Damn. Jesus. I'm just trying to have an honest brawl with you, pal. This guy's getting all serious. <laughs> just trying to have a little <laughs> scrap. Come on. Pop each other a little bit. Have a good old time. Buy a beer after. Jesus. <laughs> Man, he goes to his room and he's like, I'm going to do it. So, Whew, dude. Yeah, yeah. I was like, so I, I admittedly, I, I did not see the kid in the crib in that initial scene. And I was like, is he still got a kid? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, fuck, man. Uh, I think it's probably one of the only reasons he doesn't paint the walls. In this Boy, moment, at least. Maybe. Maybe he's yeah, programmed is- not to. Ooh, God. I'm, uh, I can't even scratch that fucking <laughs> question yet. I'm like, <laughs> I don't even fucking know. <laughs> oh, but yeah. Brutal scene. Him fucking mm. sitting down in his bunk, scratching at his like bald head with that fucking gun in his hand. I, ugh. It's another one of those times where I'm like, as a semi-intelligent TV viewer who's seen a lot of movies and TV, I'm like, that side of me is like, He's not going to kill himself right now. He's not going to do that. That's not in the show. But the other side of me, the more emotional side is like, oh, fuck, is this it? Is this the end of Tyrrell? Oh, shit. Is he really going to blow his brains out next to his kid? Damn. Damn. Oh, fuck. That wouldn't, so be the fir- that wouldn't be the first Cylon that shot itself after talking to Dr. B. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I actually kept thinking about that. I was like, oh, fuck, this is where Boomer went to her back to her quarters and put it in her mouth. Yikes. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, and then uh, guys is like, uh, you know what? Let me let me let me let me dress like I'm from Massachusetts. With my <laughs> coat like over about my scalping tickets outside of a Bruins game. <laughs> fucking a right. I got fucking lodge seats here, one forty two and one forty three. Fucking seventy dollars. <laughs> I got two drink tickets though. <laughs> two free fucking Budweisers. All right, dude. <laughs> The fuck yeah, away from know, me. For 10 bucks, my buddy Arnie will lick his hand with this stamp and put it on your hand with his. You smell vaguely of Jameson and uh, yeah, trash. Step away from me, please, sir. <laughs> the fucking hoodie over the, under the jacket shit. Man, whatever, man. Ticketmaster putting these God, <laughs> these good God-fearing, hardworking <laughs> people out of business. It's unfair. Uh, and, you know... And, Everywhere he goes, he's got this beautiful escort with him, and uh, she's like, "Don't do it, <laughs> Dude, man." Can can I? What service do I have to to call to have a beautiful woman just plead with me all the time about everything I'm doing? This should be a new, a new Uber uh, business <laughs> pleader. There's just a, a beautiful woman just follows you around, like, "Oh God, oh please don't do that. Oh, I just love you so much." Uh, fuck. <laughs> anyway, he goes to see you. Uh, the 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 the, he, the hesitation you must feel. When you see a man laying in his cot with a pistol on his belly. Oh, man. I love that shot, though. That is, it is such a great shot in this episode when it cuts over to him laying in his bunk and it, like, the camera's over him and it just sort of pans down to show the pistol just mm-hmm. in his belly. You're like, be careful. <laughs> oh, it's so good. My guy's at the end of his rope here. Super hard. 
dangling. Mm, dangling. But this he, is now, you know what? I think he might I think he might shoot up Dr. B on his way out. You gotta be careful, Dr. B. Don't want you to get shot up. Seriously. Because uh I'll tell you, man, this guy's mad at you. <laughs> but dude, I what I find the most interesting about this scene, um, which I also think has a bit of a parallel to some of the stuff with uh Leoben when we get to that, is there is still a lot from Gaius with his, you know, his whole religious group and where what his motivations are that I'm like, and you know me, I, I'm very much close to you with, on, on my opinion of bias. Like I, I'm Gaius, I actually really like him, uh, and I think he's just, regardless of whatever his motivations are, fantastic to watch, super interesting. But I do trust him. I think more than a lot of more skeptical viewers, certainly more than Taylor Galloway. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm still kind of torn about like I don't know quite what you're really wanting to do, and I'm not sure how much I trust him as far as his own religious cult, whatever the hell's going on. But in this moment, in this scene, when he's when he's talking to to Tyrrell about asking him for forgiveness. I believe him. I really believe him. I believe that he is there of his own individual conscience and wanting to make things right to Tyrrell and realizing that, yeah, that wasn't right of me. That was I stepped up, I stepped over a bound that I shouldn't have. Um, I think it's genuine. I really do. And that was a bit of a shock. I, I really expected him to come in and say sorry, but then kind of start to pitter-patter over into a let-me-sell-you-on-my-religion thing a little bit again. But I was a little shocked that he really was like, I'm just here to ask for forgiveness. I didn't know her, and I shouldn't have said that. I was yeah, like, wow, damn. This is powerful boy. shit, man. When it people, really is. When people are lost and they're looking for answers, and you have somebody who has charisma and can speak and, let's be frank, can manipulate people, he, you know, it's funny because there's honesty in what he's saying because what, what he's saying we know happened. Uh, because we're not reading a book, and we've talked about this before on Battlestar Galactica, well, as as we're speaking about Battlestar Galactica, we don't know if these characters are really thinking. We can only extrapolate what we – we can only speculate as to what they're thinking, which right. is fun to do. Um, we can only go off of what they're saying and how they react to get an inkling as to what they may be thinking. And um, you're right. It, 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 do we trust guys? I don't know. I mean, do you ever really trust them? But then at the end <laughs> of the day, when he says things like this was – I understand he's appealing to Tyrrell's state of mind, which is I, and and that's the other thing he's good at. He's good at reading people. And he says, look, I, I get it. I understand that it's hard to make sense of this. And I thought I had it all. I had, I thought, I thought it all made sense. I, I knew my path. I knew what I supposedly was a reasonable man. I knew what I thought and fate somehow changed this. And, 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 and I didn't know why. And, He's basically recounting the crucible he's been through because, boy, has he ever been. Absolutely. Uh, he's he's had his life threatened as many times as anyone on the Galactica because he's on the Galactica and silence consistently threatening lives, but then many other times outside of that by individuals or groups of individuals, many, many times. Um, there's probably no single character who's had his life on a thread than, than Gaius, so... To, to think of your crucible and what you've been through, which is what he's doing here, to then say, well, I now understand that there actually is a sense of purpose to it. So he says, yeah. and he's saying the purpose is change, evolution, basically. Um, maybe maybe, maybe you learn something along the way. And that's an interesting thing coming from Gaius, because if there's one thing most arrogant, uh, possibly narcissistic in his case, men have is this inability to learn anything. Because they already know everything already. Right. And to genuinely like self-reflect. Sure, um, exactly. 
And that's another thing I really liked about the scene that I like how he, in a sense, doesn't really have to go into it because it's a rumor about Baltar that's been following him for a long time now. Um, and he kind of acknowledges it here when he's talking to him and he goes, you know, I have been guilty. He admits it. He's like, I've been guilty of unconscionable crimes and I've got, I've been given one more chance at redemption and I'm going to take it. What's uh, fascinating about that is, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, he's, is he saying, he's saying one more chance at redemption. Do you think he believes this is one more chance, possibly a last chance? Yes, I do. I think that's exactly what he means. It's a pretty powerful um, instinct to have, you know. It is, and 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 I think he means it. Isn't like I say, like I, I think he really is honest here, and I think he sees it as, in a, in a sense, I think he's actually being more honest with Tyrrell in this moment than he has been with just about anybody because he's saying he's basically tacitly admitting, yeah, I kind of was involved in the initial attack, like that that set this all into motion, killed the majority of us, and here we are. And I feel like I have this now final chance, this one opportunity to be the seed of humanity's future, to maybe help guide us towards something else, towards Earth, towards redemption, towards whatever, but to try and actually make amends toward all humanity. And he's like, I'm going to do it. And it, mm -hmm. it genuinely, to me, does not seem like of a selfish reason that he's like, I feel like I've been a shit person and maybe I have a chance to be a good person that will help humanity for the future. And I'm going to do that. And he's like, and I'm not fighting my fate anymore. I've just chosen to embrace it. Uh, and right. that's, that's what he offers him. Which is fascinating because it took him four seasons to let go and did Tori let go pretty quick. It's funny, right? <laughs> Dude, Tori cut <laughs> it like a ripcord. Just wink. That's Good an efficient, efficient woman. Seriously, <laughs> hey, she didn't climb to the upper seats of power by being patient. <laughs> Fucking stabbing her way all throughout there. Yep. And, you know, he genuinely apologizes for the chief's loss and says he would have liked to have known her. Uh, I don't think he means biblically, but you never know. Uh, <laughs> I was told she was spiritual, et cetera. And uh, he extends a hand. Yeah. And fuck, what That's a moment. A, what a moment for both characters. We've, we know what this means because of the way the episode has been set up for Gaius. We know that he's has to, he has to break out of the rabble, right? The, yeah, the book club's only going to take you so far. Right, right. right. And it's, honestly, it seems like it's already hitting its, its peak of like, well, what, how many more people can fit into this room and hear you, you know, give some inspiring message and take anything from it? Like, yeah, you're going to keep bringing a few more people to this room, but that's that's kind of it. When the Roman legions start laying down their swords in the name of Christ, you know you're starting to have an effect on people. Indeed. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm not sure if he's going to end up on a cross, but... <laughs> <laughs> but damn, Cylon Jesus, you never know. <laughs> All right, let's pop over to the old Demetrius and check up on Starbuck and Co., Jesus, dude. <laughs> this is, this is. Oh, it is. You know what? I'm just you know going to say it. Go ahead, go ahead. Demetrius, it's fucking stinky in there. <laughs> it is <laughs> fucking stinky in that ship, dude. Yeah. I can see them as they go in there in like the supply closet, and they're like, why did you guys buy all yellow lights? Every <laughs> light yellow. is yellow. <laughs> it's all yellow in here. You're trying to keep the mosquitoes away? The only cleaning supply we have is a bucket full of bleach. What the hell are you going to do with this? We don't even have rags. <laughs> it's for Fuck washing your feet when you walk around the garbage ship. You need that. You get fungus <laughs> in between. Splash the water on the floor. Yeah, this place is a... Uh, oof, boy. You know, <laughs> I know rough. we're supposed to be focusing on uh, Kara's journey here on the Demetrius, but 
This is really Captain Carl Hilo Agathon's journey this week. <laughs> Dude. Navigating man. these waters. Dude, like, what a good friend. Listen. <laughs> what a good friend. He even blows. brought his wife on this ship. She's fucking hating every second of it, wanting to be out of here. And everybody is just like, this is insane. Kara is losing it. We are doing nothing. We're all wasting our time, about to possibly be killed out here. And Hilo's like, no, guys, no, it's totally... It's fine. Everything's going to be fine. It's totally good. I got this. Christ. You walk, you walk into the skipper's quarters, right? And she gives you the crazy eyes. And she's, oh, she's covered in paint, eyes. throwing shit everywhere. I mean, come on. This lady's fucking 10 seconds away from chopping off an ear. <laughs> <laughs> and driving this fucking plane right into the sun, which we Jeez. can't have. Let me introduce you to the power of the solar system. Just flies <laughs> you into the sun. Game over. Done and done. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. But yeah, that, where are we at this point? We are, she cannot feel, I guess, the sensation or the sound that she she had when she was aboard the Galactica that to her signaled that she was close to, to Earth. And mm-hmm. she's looking for it with really no bearings. Uh, like they're, they're just kind of scanning grids of space and, and launching, you know, vipers out to, to patrol and look and, and sending out their frequency as far as they can to try and scan for, for whatever data they're looking for, any indication of a planet, I suppose. And they're just turning up a whole lot of nothing. And from the, from the jump, and we talked about this last episode some, but especially this one from the jump, you're like, fuck, this place has got to just be on the razor's edge of mutiny at this point. Yeah, exactly. Well, as we see. <laughs> but boy, this is uh this is tough, man. I think I think Hilo needs a new call sign. It should just be no joy agathon. <laughs> no joy. No joy ever. Ever. <laughs> no joy agathon. Get in there. Cuz uh oh. life's tough for you, pal. It really but, is. Um, the man just he, just takes punishment. His face says it all, doesn't it? So it makes him such a generous lover though. Yeah, exactly. He'll hold, oh, he'll hold you down in a good way. <laughs> in a good but, way. But, man, he is, he's, uh, as they say, stuck between a rock and a had place. Oh, brutal. Because also, this is, you know, the scene where he comes in and he's talking to Kara, just trying to, like, all right, give her the update on what's going on and who's out on patrol. And she's saying, oh, I, I found something new that, that you, I think will interest you. <laughs> and hands him what looks like some, you know, star map among many she has on the floor. And he just looks at it kind of like, the fuck am I even looking at? Like, there's there's nothing dazzling me here. There's no hope in any of this. Uh, and then she insists on flying out with the cap. She wants to be out there as well. Which which Hilo, I think, rightly is like, uh, I don't think you should go out amongst everybody else for one to be seen like this. And you don't seem like you've gotten any sleep and you probably shouldn't be behind the the joysticks of a Viper. Exactly, yeah. I'm starting to think about the this mission. And I don't really remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how the, how they came up with a crew compliment, but boy. Yeah. That was, remember we talked about that. That was something that kind of surprised us because in the episode where she is sent off, it's just Adama and Hilo and Starbuck and Adama's like, all right, you're going to have your own ship. You know, you, you, you can take whatever time you need and, and go out there and find it. And that's it. And like, he sends her off and we don't see her until next episode. And she's on the ship with her crew and it's just, wow, here they are. And we were shocked by who's among them. Gaeta, yeah. Athena and Hilo. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of top personnel. I'd call those, I'd call those key assets. Seriously. So I, did she pick them? Did they volunteer? 
You know what? You know what I'm thinking again? Our fucking boy. I think Hilo rallied, rallied a crew together. I think he rallied. You, you got to know they're going off of his, you know, his credibility, not hers. He, he beat the people, he. <laughs> dude, he beat the crazy thinking, drum. He beat the fucking. We're going on the crazy mission drum, and they rallied. Right. He's like, come on, guys, do it for me, not for crazy Starfuck. Just do it for me. Just do me a solid. <laughs> gotta look hey, off gotta, my, uh, my weird friend. Got a possible Cylon here, uh, drawing paintings <laughs> on the fucking walls of her quarters. And, uh, oh, she's really, she's really a lunatic. I'm going to be honest with you. She actually broke into the president's bed chambers, which, by the way, they're the admirals, apparently, and stuck a gun in her face. Uh, so, who wants to go on a crazy mission to find Earth? Anybody <sighs> volunteering? Anybody. Step forward. <laughs> Everyone It'll steps be, back. <laughs> It'll be sweaty and stinky. Anyone? <laughs> Gator's like, I'll bring the yellow lights. <laughs> and the treachery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, it doesn't take long for them to uh, pick up a little something on the old Dreadus console. And boy, do we get a blast from the past when they drag Leoban on board. Holy shit, man. A, a huge shock to me. I did not expect this at all. Um, this was fucking cool. I really like, this is my yeah, favorite storyline of the episode, man. It's fantastic. Yep. But Leoben is on board. I knew you'd be out here. Be out here yep. searching. And of course, you know, Hilo is doing what Hilo does and trying to tell people, look, if he wanted to kill us, we'd be dead by now. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they drag him in and uh, he starts, thank you for this. We were praying for a miracle. Right? He starts immediately, man. This guy's the fucking, <laughs> he's brutal. He's oh. so God, boy. You know that's what that's what uh, Gaius is really missing. Just some. <laughs> it's his brother Swan. Leoven could be his brother Swan, man. <laughs> it's just like anything for you. Yeah, oh. he needs him. He, you know, this is Leoven's wheelhouse. Less so, sort of creepy. You know, kidnapper. This is this is how he's introduced to the series, and this is where I like him. Oh this yeah, in just handcuffs, like creep, just bro. running his mouth. Mm-hmm. Just this creepy pariah, just uh, <laughs> the true nature, sowing dissent among the ranks. Absolutely. Smiley's, and he <laughs> says, "Oh, I sense a difference in you." Right? You know what I love about this guy? He goes right after your darlings. <laughs> <laughs> he sure does. There's one thing that that Starbuck, you know, he's going right for the weak spot. Immediately, he knows it. He sizes you up, and he's like, oh, something's different about you. And she's, the way he reacts, I'm the same person. The way she reacts by saying I'm the same person, he's like, okay. Now <laughs> I got tell ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your journey can uh, finally begin, but there isn't much time. The others need your help. Yikes. <laughs> now, and then, I love watching, you know, there's two people she struggles with. She struggles with Adam and she struggles with, with Leoben. <laughs> watching does, the man. range of faces from anger to confusion to surprise to, hmm, I kind of believe him with Leoben is just priceless. <laughs> exactly. And dude, this moment where he first starts to get yanked away and he, he begins talking about the hybrid, that that's mm-hmm. what she needs if she wants to find Earth. The hybrid aboard his base star will tell him or tell her, tell her what she needs to hear to be able to navigate there. And right. when, when, when Hilo again is stepping in to be like, well, okay, take, that's enough. We need to get him out of here. Take the prisoner back, you know, to the barracks or whatever. And she's like, no, 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 take him to my quarters. <laughs> everyone, everyone just like, what the fuck? What is with her? Yep. No, In her face, it. man, she's buying it. Talking about the hybrid, talking about the blue planet, 
She'll tell you things, amazing things. Uh, we're done here. So, yeah. But yeah, back in the quarters. Prisoner gets to go to the quarters. Damn. Captain's quarters. Immediate upgrade. That's not helping you with the crew. Exactly. Oh, man. The crew is not going to handle that well. Definitely not going to help you with your hubs. <laughs> yeah, uh, boy. When Anders hauls on in, <laughs> I poor, guess I'll poor talk Andes. to her. Poor Andes, huh? This Again? guy's got it rough. Another dude. He's the new helo of getting it fuck just shafted over and over. Mm-hmm. Getting yep. it rough. He walks yeah. in on a Cylon fucking arm around your wife's waist, helping her paint hand over hand. Surprised you don't have the fucking ghost music playing over here. Anders has that look on his face where he's walking the halls of his high school and uh and he sees his bay getting chatted up by the ex. You know, you don't like that too. <laughs> he's got that insecurity on his face. Oh, yeah. With a splash of rage. Oh, good, good, healthy dose of rage. And I'll tell you, I, I appreciate Anders. He's a southpaw, gives him a nice left, blank, <laughs> blasts him down. Kara freaks out, just like you'd imagine in high school. <laughs> no, he didn't do anything. We were just talking. <laughs> just talking. He was just smelling my hair. What? <laughs> he was just running his hand across my cheek and flicking my hair over my shoulder. Okay, <laughs> sure. Does that seem a little intimate to you? We're just <laughs> friends, okay? God, high school sucks. Oh, it's the worst. Fucking I mean, middle school's the worst, but high school also sucks. Yeah, that's true. Um, but this is where like, she... Oh, remember this guy? He, You were a prisoner, a literal prisoner of his. Yeah, and she's saying, no, the Cylons know about Earth, and they can help us. They can get it there. It's real. Yep. The uh, the, the grimaces on Hilo are, are pretty priceless, too. The, the, the oh, boy. Oh, I can man. see where this is. Talking about seeing patterns, Leoben sees patterns. My guy, Hilo, old no joy, he sees patterns. Sees all the patterns. He knows exactly where this fucking thing's going to end up. And his face says it all. <laughs> of just like, okay, how am I going to go spin this shit to the rest <laughs> of the crew again? He's already Hooray. thinking, like, what's going to be the move when we take her out of power and who do we have to worry about? That's oh, <laughs> so brutal. Uh, and it, what, su- it, what sucks about this too is that, like, I mean, obviously he is her XO, and he's he's I certainly volunteered for this, and I think we are probably uh, it's a pretty solid theory of ours that he rallied the crew to even come along on this. He is such a good friend to Kara, and he sticks his neck out for her, and he really tries. He tries so hard to be understanding and have her back and do the right thing. He's such a good dude, solid dude, top of my list. You know, I've already fucking said it, but you can, like you said, you can just see on his face of like, fuck, like there, I can't, I can't make this work. There's mm-hmm. no, after a certain point, there is just a point of no return where she has utterly lost the confidence of the crew, and you're not going to get it back. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it, it just can't be won. What do you, uh, I, I like the moment with Anders and Leoben though, where Leoben starts in on him. Ooh, and this yeah. is one of those situations where like, man, we don't, again, we don't know what they're thinking, but we can guess because we know, we know that Anders knows he's a Cylon. And when he starts saying, what's the most basic article of faith? That mm-hmm. this is not all we are. And Anders looks terrified. It's great. Oh, absolutely. And but you know, that, I, I actually think for I me, mean, hell, you know, but I think, um, I think 
that Leoben still doesn't know about Anders because yep. Anders is one of the final five, and this, even the the majority of the Cylons don't know who the final five are. And I think this really is him just kind of doing some Cylon fuckery of like, oh yeah, I was there on Caprica, I saw you play. Like I know who you are, your human version of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but to Anders, yeah, his paranoia just hits the roof of like, oh fuck, <laughs> this Cylon, he knows who I am. Oh shit, um, because he doesn't understand the nature of the final five. Sure, yeah. And I thought the same thing at this point too. So I'll I will go with that. Exactly. And <laughs> I felt the same way you did. Um right. At this moment of the show. Now, yeah. does that change or not? I don't know. But <laughs> I like when he just says you've been waiting for your single moment of clarity. <laughs> and then he points that fucking pistol at his face. Maybe I just found it. Yeah, I the love that. I love that scrape it up on my wife. Yeah. I love that line. It's really good. But Leoben knows, wait a minute. I'm on a fucking, I'm on a pirate ship. I'm, on, yeah. I'm amongst pirates. And um, I should probably just watch my step a little bit here. All right. I mean, he does say, we're out of range. Spaceship was damaged. We were set adrift. If I'm oh, dead, dude. I'm dead. But your exactly. wife ain't going to love it. <laughs> I mean, he knows dude. everyone's insecurities and weaknesses. That's his gift. Oh, he, knows, yeah. he knows how to pull strings. <laughs> and that's when he breaks that there's a Cylon civil war, essentially. Dude. Those this, who embrace our nature and those who fear it. Interesting way to put it. Right, right. Um, and dude, this is also such a big, it's a huge moment hidden in a small one that mm-hmm. this yeah. is the first time the humans get to know about this real decisive split among the Cylons. I mean, a, a, a civil war among the Cylons, that's something I, I'm sure they've never anticipated because I think, like me in season one, they saw them as this monolithic hive mind force that is just one big being with lots of tentacles, like the Borg or something. Uh, mm. But to hear this, that like, no, we are individuals and we have had a split and our ideologies are clashing and we're killing each other over it now. That's fucking massive. And the other big thing I think this reveals, and I could be wrong on this, but um, I'm pretty sure that this particular Leoben who stole that uh, raider, uh, that he is from the very same base ship uh, that I guess it was Caprica 6 and Boomer were on. Um, and I think there's a, there's a possibility that they're alive because he talks about our base ship is damaged. Our base star is still functional. There, you know, there are Cylons on there. Our hybrid is on there. He wants he wants Kara to come back with him so that she can speak with the hybrid. And that makes me think that they might still be alive because I, I was I was thinking back to it and that the final shot we saw in the episode when when uh, the the Cavils you know attacked those the the six and the Boomer and took out their their fleet. Well, what happened is we see them get hit. And then it cuts away. We don't see their ship blow up. We don't right. see them die. And there's a part of that thinks that maybe they were able to slink out of there somehow or jump away some other possibility. But that, he talks about this damaged base. And I was like, oh shit, we might actually be able to rendezvous with those Cylons who were sympathetic to the humans. Pretty wild. That's, oh, it's massive to it, me. I mean, also, they just fucking set my brain on fire. It, it also kind of cements in the viewer's brain that He's saying they're literally at war. Like, we saw a skirmish. We saw, right. I mean, a pretty intense skirmish. We didn't really know the state of affairs since that skirmish. He exactly. sounds like he's confirming that they are, in fact, at odds with each other going forward. Right. That this is, in fact, a war. I mean, can't just throw the word war around lightly. He's saying we're no. at war. And the, the proposition of an alliance is, is an interesting one. And, dude, I mean, that is... 
Oh, that is so game-changing for this entire series. The idea that if there is a large, a sizable fraction, uh, faction, maybe even half of the original, you know, the Cylon society, civilization, whatever, if half of that had broken off and is now against the Cylons, sympathetic to the humans, and wanting to get to Earth, well, shit, that's a hell of a team-up. That is, that's the team-up the humans could have could really use right now. Uh, that level of force on their side to go against the the Cavill Cylons. Which is precisely the way Andrew sees it, because he brings it to the CIC, and he starts selling it, and no one's buying it. Nobody's buying it, and dude, I love it. Can you blame him? Exactly. Dude, the one unknown Cylon in the room being like, well, maybe we could team up, guys. (laughs) Maybe they're not so bad, anybody? (laughs) Come on. Uh, You can't blame him, man. You can't blame him for trying. Data has a good uh, data. Gata has a good point here. <laughs> I mean, kind of <clears throat> by suggesting that they can't really allow them access to the nav computer because suddenly they're going to be. They'll know where the fleet is, and I like that. And you can't scrap yeah. the nav data because you'll never get back. Ugh, yeah, no that that is that's one of the few times this episode where I'm like, uh, Gata's not totally wrong. Also, like, that, aren't there two Cylons in the room? What's that? Two Cylons in the room. See how quickly we forget? No, no, no. I said one unknown Cylon. Oh, I'm sorry. Gotcha. Everybody knows Athena. And, that, and honestly, what I think is so funny about it is that Athena is also the one to be like, no, that's a fucking terrible idea. <laughs> that's yeah. a trap. And, and oh, can we take out the captain? <laughs> yeah, can I mean, we be she, done with this shit? She does say, I mean, this is getting a little dicey, isn't it? Yeah. Ugh. Dude, yeah. This is, this is, I mean, this is already the moment where you're like, this is going to blow up. Like, you, there's no unity anymore. There's no, no, no one's behind this mission. Get, Get has a couple good points in this exchange. She's like, bringing him on board was questionable. So we're already out of pocket here. Jumping back to his base ship? Are you fucking crazy? <sighs> right. That just, I mean, that does sound, there's no way to make that sound on fucking paper. Not terrible. <laughs> Not a just a terrible, obvious trap. And of course, Old, old No Joy Hilo, he's saying we need to trust Starbuck's decision here, which of course is what an XO does because the captain is the captain for a reason and they have operational authority of this mission for a reason. We have to trust her. And Sharon's like, I don't know. I don't know about that. Little, <laughs> don't little, know if we can. A little, little slipshot as far as I can see. <laughs> She's not wrong. Also, Hilo, uh, don't bring up the M word. You summoned the mutiny word. Don't say it. You said it. Now you made it a thing. Now everyone's like, yeah, mm-hmm. mutiny. That's an idea. That's like, that's you can't cute. say, you can't fucking say Voldemort. You gotta be careful. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that's actually a solid point. <laughs> I don't know why you said the M word. Right. You can't bring it up. You, you gotta gave be, it. I mean, you gave their thoughts a cohesive glue, a structure. An a idea. word that everyone can get by. <laughs> that's right. That's right, man. You gotta watch that shit. <laughs> oh, fuck. But yeah. Oh, it's so shitty. And what what I hate about all this too is this is one of those times, this is what I was talking about earlier when I was talking about trusting Gaius, even though there are, there are still plenty of things I'm not sure are how trustworthy about him. But in this moment with Leoben, I think Leoben is also telling the truth. Like mm-hmm. I, I believe him because, and I wouldn't unless we had the prior episode showing the Cylon Civil War. If we had never seen anything about that, and this was just hearsay from a Leoben Cylon that came aboard, I'd be like, bullshit, trap. 
That's total bullshit. Uh, but since we've seen that and we know that, and we know that, that at least that much is true, and there is that real conviction among the the sixes and the eights that no, this war is unjust and wrong and stupid, and we need to you know find Earth and maybe help the humans. Maybe they have a point. Uh, I think he means it. I think he really. That's what's so painful about this episode too, because you can't blame anyone on the Demetrius for not trusting Starbuck anymore, for not trusting her judgment, for not wanting to go through with this, for not wanting to trust Aleoben. It's like, no, this is the worst. This is, of all the Cylons to come aboard our ship, this is the worst fucking one. Like, no way. You're not going to trust this guy. Can't blame any of them for feeling that way. And the painful part of it is, I think he's being honest. I think he really is actually trying to help her at this point. Pretty wild, right? At le- and again, uh, my, the only caveat I have with that is the same that I have with, with Gaius. I'm like, well he's definitely being honest with Tyrrell in this moment. I'm not 100% sure of the rest of his intentions, somewhat, I think. But right. in this moment, I'm like, I certainly trust um, Leoben that this is not a trap and that they do want to help them and get them to Earth. But I'm still not sure about his intentions with Kara. There's just weird shit with, between him and her. That I don't quite fully trust. But the, his overall like offer, I do think is real. Well, there you go. So as as we move through here, we got to talk about this moment where Starbucks like, look, we're going to go, we're going to do this. And uh, uh, look, we're going to go inspect the ship. So out this lady goes and uh, she's inspecting the exterior hull, I guess, for the purpose of making sure there's no tracking beacons on it or something. I don't know what she's doing. Maybe just a regular visual inspection of the ship. I and, think so. Uh, yeah, she finds a hull breach that explodes and kills her. And um, Oof, dude, boy. what a moment! So, what do you think, Leoben's? What? How, what's Leoben's part in this? In the the explion? Mm-hmm. This again, weirdly enough, I believe him. I actually that believe he didn't him because to believe what. I believe that he did not sabotage the ship or try to make an explosion happen. I don't think that was a part of it at all. His ship is battered up. Uh, and, and, you know, like he tells him that he's like, my ship was attacked. I limped all the way out here. Like it was, it's falling apart. Look at it. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it was attacked and it was this gas leak that blew up because I'm like, if he wanted to just blow up their ship and kill them all, I think he could have rigged up a way to do that. Like, it, it probably wouldn't be hard to make the, if any of these ships have, I think he even says that the ship has a reactor. And it's like, if you wanted to make a reactor fully go off big enough to blow up a ship, I'm, I'm sure you could. Uh, or he could have just brought, if this were all a completely engineered trap, you just have explosives on board, ready to go. As soon as they dock your, your ship, you just blow them up and kill them all. If that's all you're trying to do, I feel like there's a lot simpler ways of going about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, I, I, again, weirdly enough, so odd, creepy position to be in, but I kind of believe Leoben. I don't think he's, I don't think he meant to do any of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, boy, this, uh, Kara the brakes out of him. Oh man. Hit or me, off him, him as again. it were. Yeah. That's the Kara I know and love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when you're stabbing me, <laughs> makes me this, feel so loved. This time I won't come back. <laughs> I promise. As in resident ships out of range, do it, do it. And of course, she doesn't. No. Because of her own pull, her own obsession about this mission. She knows he's a a key factor to it. Again, we see her in this position where she's having to deal with Leoben and his various treacheries. (laughs) Let's have a listen to this talk. What are you doing to me? All of your life, 
force back the truth by lashing out at everyone around you, anesthetizing yourself with ambrosia and empty affairs. But you've lost the taste for those petty things. I'm the same person. No. There's a void and emptiness that can only be filled by taking the next step on your journey. What happened to me the two months I was missing? The mandala, the paintings, my mother. It had to mean something. You have to make peace with your past. Why? Because that part of you is gone. Nice. I told you. Nice. Ooh. A lot of this uh, reconciling our past, another, another thematic constant in this episode between multiple characters. Very cool. That's true. And dude, honestly, even that moment when, when she's pounding on, on Laoban and he's like, hit me, hit me again. Fucking reminds me of Ty. <laughs> Ty on the floor with six just ground and pounding. That's right, man. That's right. Uh, you know, it's funny. We don't, we don't know much about Laoban as Cylons go. We're not exactly entirely sure what motivates him, but we, but, but I believe of the Cylons, he has this real dogmatic faith about him that I'm sure probably unnerves a guy like Cavill. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he is like a true believer in whatever the religious cause is, because it seems like it's been a while since we've really gotten a good full glimpse of it, but Cavill didn't really seem to buy into even the Cylon idea of religion. Well, we know he's on the other side of the war too. (laughs) Oh, 100% there. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. But, um, Starbucks says, well, attention, attention. Hi guys, all doing? I know y'all sitting around lamenting your life. They're talking about her being a Cylon. Hilo steps in <clears throat> and says, uh, she's killed more than anyone else. And the guy's like, yeah, Starbuck did. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> fuck. And uh. she's like, well, sorry for Matthias. Um, we want to believe she died for something. Don't know if she did. <laughs> Could you be dumb? Sometimes people die. This is, yeah, dude. The moment that explosion happens and she dies, I was like, it's done. It's done. Like you're never, you're never winning this crew back over. That's over. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> even if it's not like a full blown inward mutiny, it's over. You're not leading this mission any further. They're going to stop. Like they'll just bail if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Ugh. she tries. She's like, I know it's been difficult, and I haven't been exactly a, a fucking. I'm no picnic right now. Yeah. She's trying. You know, she's trying. Yeah. No, she is. And like, it's a brutal moment for her because. I, she is trying to balance the whole, the entire mission of, I need to complete what I was sent out here to do. And I feel like I'm, you know, close to it, closer than ever now with Leoben. But you're not going to get this crew to trust Leoben, obviously. And you're not going to get them to even just continue on in any way with the death of one of their friends, seemingly at the just total neglect of their commander. Like, mm-hmm. And I, I think in this moment, this is her best shot at like re- trying to just remind them that she does care and that she's not the, completely unhinged. Hitting the balls on Gata, he's like, all right, I got this all cor- coursed, so we're ready to go. And she's like, what? We're talking about, we're not going back. We're going <laughs> forward. Onward and upward, pal. <laughs> I love that I assumption. Thank you to reconsider. Please And then this, this fucking Captain. Gonzo Pike guy, he gets cute. And uh, Hilo uh, Alpha Dogs him. A little punch, a little, a little pistol whip. Shuts down that. Shuts, whip. shuts down that mutiny real quick. <laughs> but only <laughs> in the temporary. Shuts down a mutiny like a cracked orbital bug. Yeah, but Yikes. only in the temporary because Agathon knows what's what, doesn't he? And we see that in the sure next does. scene. 
Oh, yeah, there's no no coming back, man. You, you, you can't come back from this shit. No, we press on, guys. Come on, aren't you all still motivated and super pledged to this whole bullshit crazy idea, right? Right? Yep. Ugh. And uh, he's setting it up like, oh, no, we're good to go. FTL spooled. And there's this very decisive moment, and this is very good uh, direction, good blocking, where he's always been standing next to Kara. He walks to the other side of the CIC uh, console and stands opposite of her. That's true, and leans very, over it. Very slick. So now they're in direct opposition to one another. Uh, I love a lot of the way this is shot. People standing behind her that we don't see. That sense of her being sort of outnumbered here. Yeah, absolutely. And dude, Hilo is, I forget the name of the actor, but he's so fucking good in the scene. Like he seems completely pained by, by having to say any of this. Absolutely. He really doesn't want to go against her. He doesn't want to sabotage you know, his friend. And I think he even still believes her, but just thinks the stakes are too high at this point. Tamo Pennicott. Yeah, ta- oh, that hard to remember name. <laughs> Tamo <laughs> Yep. Yeah, it, you can see it on his face. This is a tough moment for him. Starbuck is a dear friend of his. And um, sadly, she's put them in a compromising position. And she's like, I can't allow you to risk the lives of the people on this crew. And she's like, well, prepare to jump. And he's like, nope. She relieves him. And he's like, nope. <laughs> I'm relieving you. Yep. Mr. Gator, you're the XO. He's like, nah, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, that was, just, nah, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not XO material. <laughs> I'll pass. <laughs> and, oh, uh, fuck. And that is yeah. that. Dimitri. Thank God Kara's not Thrace. Uh, uh, good thing Kara's not Kane or she would have shot Hilo. I know, dude. I had that in the back of my mind too, where I was like, she's not just going to waste him, right? Like, I'm going to be, I really did have a moment of like, if she kills Hilo, I won't be able to forgive Starbucks. <laughs> I'll be like, I'm sorry. That would, I'd be done with you. She's not Fuck. dumb. Yeah. Yeah. He, not a piece co- of shit. He quotes the old military code and, she narrows her eyes, and uh, we go to to be continued as he's in the process of relieving Starbuck of her command of the Demetrius. Whew. A lot of action. Fucking intense, man. Ah, oh, so good. I fucking love this episode. This was such a good episode. It's a great up. I enjoyed it a lot. Damn. Damn. Anytime you're dealing with a mutiny on a spaceship, I'm in. Fuck yes. It's so good. Why is that so good? Because so it's because it, it's an interesting dynamic. It's compelling. People are trapped. Yeah, and way more than like on sea too. It's like, well, we could still take a lifeboat and some provisions and just try to run away. Like, nah, that's not an option here. There's no. You are stuck. Right. Truly stuck. Well, listener comments. Yes, indeed. I got one from Mister Daniel Mertz. Go. He said, "Okay, so I said screw productivity and watch the episode on my phone at work." How did you both like Chief's, well, I guess specialist now, <laughs> impression of Private Pyle? <laughs> the, shaved, the shaved head is slow unraveling to the point I half expected him to shoot the Admiral, then decorate the wall of the head, be- head behind him with his own brain jelly. But on to a more serious point, Matthew, what's your take on Starbuck being so obsessed with Earth that she can't even seem to understand how much she is alienating her crew and also decides to trust the Cylon that tried to play house with her? My last question slash comment is, do you think that there will ever come a time that fucking Hilo can just do his job without finding some Don Quixote going to cause cause to, uh, cause him pain path? Like they can't go three episodes without giving him some new moral quandary to deal with. Fucking A there, Daniel. Yeah, I feel so bad for Hilo in, mm. in every two episodes. Brutal. Um, but to, to answer Daniel's question about uh, Starbuck being obsessed, um, I actually... Don't think she, I I think she does realize 
how much she's alienating her crew. Um, and she just doesn't know it. She, that is that is not Starbucks, Starbucks' strong suit. She is the strong arm kind of leader of just like, I. you're either going to follow me because you're charmed by how fucking badass I am, you're going to follow me into battle, or I'm just going to brute force your ass into doing what I need you to do. Um, and in these kinds of moments where, you know, I, I feel like you get a Lee on here, you get a, a Admiral Adam on here, they might have a little extra rope they can hang from by, you know, rallying up the crew with some, some speechifying, some, some cause, you know, let's talk about it. Let's really find our motivation again and, and rally around this big idea. That, that's not Starbucks suit here. I, I, I think she's just so burrowed down into her mission. She knows how much how she's alienating everybody and how she looks, but she just believes in that mission so completely. And I think in a weird way, for the sake of everyone, but on too large of a scale, like she's thinking about the future of humanity um, and she's losing sight of the humanity right there in front of her on her ship. Mm -hmm. Um, She's like, this will be good for everyone. This will be good for, you know, the sake of the human species. If we can get to earth, I have to do this for the good of the future. And losing sight of how how much risk she's really putting on everybody's plate. Um, I think that's it. I, I think she's just not a leader cut out for this type of situation. Yeah, she's set up in a bad way too because she was acting crazy and running around like a mad woman. And then they put her in charge of a ship, and it's happening again. It's right. not. It's not like she reconciled her 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 drive or obsession before being put off on this boat. I mean, this is in retrospect. I mean, I mean, seemingly now a bad call by Adama, but hey, wouldn't be very compelling <laughs> if he didn't do it, would it? But Tommy Brinkley says, Walter has two of the final four Cylons under his spell, where the odds will have all four before the end of the season. What do you think, Matt? <sighs> Damn, that's a really good point. That's a good point, Tommy. Shit. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that comes back to the whole thought we've been having about this is monotheists versus the polytheists and maybe that's the real role of the final five that they they end up among the human religious leader who's crushing out polytheism and help him lead his charge and hook up yeah. with the the other half of the cylon civil war i don't know his I mean, disciples seems, <laughs> right yeah that seems pretty fucking plausible to me um, he says, I love, he's talking about healing. He says, I love how he stands up for Starbuck when Pike disobeys all the while realizing that he has to relieve her of command for the sake of the crew. Um, yep. yes, we talked about both of those things independently, but not really how they connect, but it just goes to show you, Heal is always going to do what he thinks is right. 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 Like he's not going to let somebody, cause I mean, I think the danger with somebody like Pike is that it could get violent. Like it's going to be, hey, oh, we got to stop her. He's a hot Drag head. her out of her quarters. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a like, head. Right. And he's like, no, we're not fucking doing that. If I have to relieve her of her duty, I'll do that. But you're not going to go spazzing out, grabbing a gun, trying to fucking (laughs) make some French revolution out of it. No. (laughs) Right on. Good stuff from uh, you guys as usual. All right, man. Well, that brings us to the end of our coverage of The Road Less Traveled, I believe is the name of the episode. And um, that puts us uh, coming up on, uh, in two weeks time, we'll be talking about Faith is the next episode which will be episode six as we trudge along to the inevitable end of Battlestar Galactica, Matthew. Boy. Yes, I'm excited. This is a very good episode of television. I enjoyed it. I thought it was very much well done. And I'm looking forward to going into faith and uh, and continuing in this push on the major through lines here, man. How about you? Hell yeah, dude. I, uh, I keep feeling like some of our theories are starting to 
maybe be shown true. I don't know. I, I still don't feel like I can say definitively yet, but it's feeling really close. Well, there you have it. Oh, I'm so pumped. All right. Well, then, I am going to uh, call it here. This is a good episode, a good discussion, and um, I'm happy to be back. It's been, a, it's been a while, a little vacation there. And now we're back, back in business. So, Mr. Anderson, I appreciate uh, your time. It was good talking to you. And uh, we're going to get out of here, and we'll see you guys in two weeks' time with the sixth episode titled Faith. And until then, we'll catch you guys on the flip side. Goodbye.